Welcome to episode eight of Now for Someone Completely Interesting. And for the first time in the 16-week history of this podcast, we are in HD, 4K, Netflix quality, thanks to my guest this episode. I've known this guy here for just over four years. He's a co-host with another podcast called The Esteemed Gentleman. He's an author. He's a photographer. He's a filmmaker. His credits in the film industry includes writer, director, cameraman, actor, and whatever else it takes to make movie magic. You can see his productions via his YouTube page, Aviator Productions, um, which is why I, uh, not only to hide my face, but uh, an homage to that. So, nice. uh, But most important, he is the parts manager at St. Paul Dodge. So <laughs> now for someone completely interesting, my friend and co-worker, Tyler Sunt. It's great to finally have you on the show, and I'm really excited to talk about the automotive parts industry. Oh, please, no. <laughs> I'm very happy to be here. There's a lot of avenues we can go down, but I like to go down because you have these most elaborate, interesting stories when it comes to the film industry, whether you're making your films, whether you're watching films, critiquing film, you have an eye for them that is just a little bit above what the average person uh, views it as. So can we just go, like, where did you develop this passion for the movie industry? Um, I think it stemmed from when I was quite little. Um, I remember I used to watch movies all the time as a kid, and I loved movies. And uh, I used to wonder, like, oh, I wonder how it could be different. Like, if my idea would be like, if this happened, then this should happen, or whatever. But then I, the, I think really when it cemented uh, the thought that I wanted to become a filmmaker was when I watched Jurassic Park for the first time, and I was like, how the fuck did they get real dinosaurs in this movie? <laughs> I don't understand that. Like, this is terrifying and incredible and beautiful. Like, I can't imagine going to, like, a zoo or something and seeing live dinosaurs. How did it's, they do that? It's funny because I thought the same thing. Right? Like, how did they do that? And I was 33 years old when I first saw it. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, right from then, I was, like, watching. I'm like, man, if they can, if, if filmmakers, and I know that there was some kind of, uh, of a making of, and I saw how they did it in those animatronics and the first time that they were using, like, really focusing on cgi because they used to use clay animation right before they started making this and i know james cameron right around the same time made terminator 2 using cgi on the on the t1000 mm -hmm. um terminator he's like the liquid metal kind of weird whatever so they took that technology and put it into jurassic park and just fucking nailed it it still holds up today i will admit and i'm just like if they can do that i want to be able to do something like that where i make somebody believe something's happening and make them feel things that you want people to feel and i thought that was really cool so that was that was about the time that i knew yeah, yeah. I mean, you've 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 told me a lot of stories about. Uh, yeah, the, this is the first one I've heard about the Jurassic Park one. Um, yeah. But you always used to tell a lot of stories, and I love the way because you, you you impersonate people so well as well. <laughs> Talking about, um, you always tell me the stories about uh, your your memories with your grandparents and and going to the video store and watching <laughs> videos, and then when you're eight years old watching horror movies. Yes. <laughs> yes. How did that relate into the into the whole thing? Oh, well, I don't know. I just um, the whole idea of like you sit in front of a screen. And these images come out, there's music and there's people in it and there's whatever, and it's all acting and it makes you feel something because that's what the movie is intended to make you feel. Mm -hmm. And I thought that was like, man, if I could do something to make people feel something like, oh, I want to do something where people are going to cry. I want to see people cry because of something that I created right. or people laugh or people be like shocked by it. And that's how it really uh, panned out. And my grandmother actually used to own the uh, Ashmont General Store and above it was the apartment where they lived and my grandpa had his plumbing business out the back. So... After school or whenever, we would go over to the store. We'd eat candy bars. We'd play arcades. And then we would 
take like five or six movies home and we'd watch them. And then we just watch movies after movies. My grandmother used to watch me at the store, like babysit me. And I'd go in the back room and I'd watch movies in there. And I just, yeah, I've been watching movies since. But that was a story you told me once the, the, one of the early on in your life, they, what movie was it that they, they let you watch? Prying. (laughs) (laughs) No. Which one do you think? Uh, Pee Wee Herman. Oh, no. No? <laughs> Sorry, no, that's not what I was thinking Oh, of. so the one that they made me watch oh. that, that scarred me for life after uh, was, was Braveheart. Oh. It was the Braveheart movie. How old were you when you saw that? I don't know. I don't think I was in kindergarten yet. Oh, wow. I watched that. And it's... I, uh, at the very beginning of the movie, I, I believe it's at the beginning of the movie. It's been a while since I've seen it. Um, this young boy goes into like this big shack of some kind. That's right. Yep. Yeah. And there's mm-hmm. hanging people. I'm like, why are they hanging like that? <laughs> And they're not moving or being real quiet. I don't understand. How fucked up is that? <laughs> Shut up, Pee-wee. We're watching a movie. Pee-wee. <laughs> How did that come about? Pee-wee? Pee-wee. Pee-wee. Well, my grandmother Pee-wee. had a, a German accent, so she, right. it used to be Pee-wee. Um, apparently, when I was a kid, my favorite show to watch all the time was Pee-wee Herman. Oh, okay. I vaguely remember any of the Pee-wee movies. Oh, I, I'm Classics. sorry. I, I, I'm sure it was because it was. It seemed to be something that they had a lot of great integration of claymation that you talked about earlier with the the Jurassic Park there. So. Right, right. Um, movie genres. I mean, you seem to grab. It's funny you brought Braveheart up because some of the stuff that you've collaborated on or or showed me or talked about as far as ideas has a lot of graphic uh, mm-hmm. violence. Mm-hmm. The um, what would be your favorite genre of movie? It's gonna be. Uh, horror action is sci-fi just something that's totally kind of bonkers and super graphic but kind of believable and just mm-hmm. scary and kind of a little bit of dark humor in there it's it's all over the place as long as it's in the horror genre whether it's sci-fi or where, where do you derive some of your ideas uh, a lot of my ideas are from the movies that i watch a lot of the video games that i've played uh, some of the books that i've read and just and just items uh, and, and a lot of the nightmares I used to have as a kid probably from some of the movies that I used to watch. <laughs> it's a big culmination of all those things. I think mm-hmm. is, is what it was. And yeah, and I just and then what about like uh, character development and whether you're writing a book or uh, <laughs> where do you get the ideas from that? I don't know. I it just it just comes to me. I don't know. Like a lot of stuff. Like well, the one that I'm writing right now, I like. I loved Lord of the Rings, and I think the big, epic, crazy battles were super cool. And I'm like, what if like these guys in medieval times? And I and I love zombie movies. Okay, that's a subgenre that I can watch anything. Um, it's my absolute favorite. Zombies, anything to do with zombies, even if it's a shitty movie, I don't care. I'll watch it because it's got zombies. Why is that? I don't know. It's just because it the the fear of a horde of undead people coming for you and it, they're just relentless and they won't stop and there's no reasoning with them and that's just a terrifying thing like it's just and it's it's a it's just a thing that's going to happen and you know no matter how many you kill there's just going to be more of them <laughs> they're just going to keep coming and it doesn't matter what you do you know like yeah they always win in the end now okay back to the character driven sure. uh, um, you i know for a fact that maybe some of your characters come from people you've uh... they definitely <laughs> are people that I have either worked with or have known. Uh, a lot of my characters uh, can be developed from some of them, some of the people that I've met. Uh, do you find it as the therapeutic? Because some of these people are people you may not have, I mean, you, you've confessed to me anyways. We don't have to get into any detail, oh, but people no. that you may have had a, a, a negative uh, experience oh, with. For sure, and I just expand on that. The things that I kind of dislike about some of these people, I just expand on that and just make them a really terrible person and just kind of like go off that. Has Amazing. anybody called you out on it? Not yet. 
Are you sure? I don't think so. No? No. You You never made a short video about someone getting shot and that... uh... (laughs) (sighs) That was... uh, It was... uh, a, a masterpiece, and B, my biggest mistake I've ever made. <laughs> oh. <laughs> um, so I made a short film. The masterpiece was the film. The mistake the was the, the character. The mistake from... was the character names in it. <laughs> I see. Okay. That was it. That's all it was. So I made a short film. Um, I It's it's on my YouTube page. Uh, what the hell did I even call it? Love Lost, I think I called it. Mm-hmm. And yeah, there's uh, some names that were dropped in there. And then I had to redo it, actually, and then just uh, ad-libbed different names so that people didn't uh, think of it as a, a death threat of some kind. <laughs> we'll call it that. That's what people took it as, is a death threat. Really? And people thought that I uh, well, had a hidden meaning that I was going to do something or something. I don't know. A couple of people. Uh, well, but, yeah, I, I, guess, I, mean, I guess people could read into it. but re- Totally. It really, yeah. I mean, when you say it's a... But it was a therapeutic thing. It was just like, you know what? Ah, just like a, like a it, fucking but it kind was, of thing. It was and really... it was a pretty selfish thing to do. It was, but... Do you know what? Actually, though, it was pretty good. I, I, as far as right? the I cinematography, so. the the acting in it. That's what I think about, too. Like, I mean, I, okay, so you're not on... Uh, you're into the filmmaking. Go ahead, crack it. Okay, thank you. We're on camera. They can see it. I'm Don't getting nervous. <laughs> My cheeks are red. Uh, I feel like I'm being interrogated here. <laughs> I'm just not, kidding. I'm that's kidding. That's the idea. <laughs> I know. I'm um we talk about this all the time, so this is just us talking with microphones and a camera now. Right. Um, you you don't have the big Hollywood budget, but I I gotta say, like you you go through some of these films. Um, what was the movie you did um, in your younger days? Oh, you got chased by a truck and with no too sh- far, oh, too far. See, it had good yeah. quality entertainment value, but what obviously lacked. Obviously, I mean, you didn't have this expensive camera, you didn't have the actors. studio, you didn't have actors. But on that note, these are all your friends and your yeah. family that that participate in this. Mm-hmm. You have this ability to actually draw out at least an honest effort. Maybe they're not the best actors, right. but they're actually giving you. They're actually getting into the character role and everything. And I, I thought, you know that. Oh, it's that was yeah. as as cheesy as it may look on the outset. Had mm-hmm. good entertainment value, and I told you that uh, when we watch it, that's something I would watch again. Which, to me, is what makes a good movie something you'd want to watch again, right. even though you know what's going to happen. So, what do you look? Do you look for that in someone, or you just take whoever you can get? And how do you pull that? Well, that's, performance out of them. You know, usually like a lot of my ideas that come like when I when I was making this movie, it was actually going to be a lot darker. A lot more graphics, so I just kind of compromised with what I had. But I, I just asked, like, I was like, you know, I, I need, I need females in my movies. But a lot of them are just like, yeah, no, I'm not going to be part of that. And there's no actors around here, you know, small town. There's no, mm-hmm. I mean, I could do like, well, now that the internet is as big as it yeah, is. Yeah, people don't you, come to uh, St. Paul or Bonneville to become actors. Exactly. Yeah, there's uh, far bigger, better places to be for that, <laughs> for sure. Um, but I just, I just asked, I said, hey, you know, I want to make this movie. Uh, do you want to be in it? They're like, well, if they're, if they're close enough friends, they're just like, yeah, sure, I'm, I'm game. And I, that, that's amazing. Just being like, yeah, sure. They don't even like ask, well, what do I have to do or whatever? But I mean. I mean, usually if it's going to be something like, oh, you got to show your boobies in this, which I haven't done yet. I haven't been able to convince anybody to do that yet, unfortunately. But uh, You've never asked me. No, that's true. That's true. Um, but I just I just asked them, and I'm like, okay. And, and they just they show up, and you know, and I'm like, do you, I, I don't have any money. They're like, ah, well, I got nothing going on this weekend. I'll come hang out, and we'll, we'll try it. you know. And, and then uh, if I want to actually get a, a, a better performance out of them, instead of them just reading off the lines and just kind of going through the motions, I'll be like, okay, say it. 
like this. I don't want to be rude and be like, okay, mm-hmm. come on, try. But it's like, you know what? You're doing me a tremendous favor, yeah. so I'm not going to be a dick. If I was paying you, then I would be a dick. I'd be like, hey, come on, man. Like, <laughs> Do you have any idea like, if, if that's how an actual director would do it? Or do you know anything about that? Or? I do. Um, actually, Michael Bay apparently is a total douchebag on the set. And he makes people work. He's like a drill sergeant out there. He's like, this is how you're going to do it. You're going to get your best performance out of it. Uh, you mm-hmm. know, like we're dropping, you know, 10 grand worth of explosives here. You got to sell it to me and blah, blah, blah. Otherwise, you have to reset this. It's all your fault. That's basically how he plays it. And then I was watching, I actually watched Army of the Dead last night. And then I went on YouTube and looked up Zack Schneider and whatever. He talked about how he is on set. And he's just like, he just wants everybody to be happy and to have fun. And then like when you watch a movie and you see people and they're doing a great job, you're you're in on it. You're you're with them because you can mm-hmm. tell that they're having a good time and they're trying to sell it, right? And um, so I, I feel like I would probably be the same way. Mm-hmm. So a lot of directors, what they'll do is um, they'll try to do, you know, five or six takes. Like uh, Brett Ratner is, uh, is a director. Um, Anthony Hopkins actually complained about him. He said uh, when he was playing Hannibal Lecter, in uh, Silence of the Lambs, I I feel bad because I don't know who the director of that one was. He said that he had a great time on that set. He got to become a character that he never thought he'd be able to portray. He nailed it. And then when he made Hannibal the Cannibal, Ridley Scott directed it. And the only time that Ridley Scott had an issue with what he did, he just said, can you just say it a little bit louder this time? And that was it. That was like the one or one or two times that he had to redo a scene. And that was it. And then when he went to do Red Dragon, Brett Ratner, a younger director kind of getting into it, he would do no matter what, no matter if he nailed the performance or if he you know did something like amazing he would do a take five or six times and he almost wanted to walk off the set because i i don't i feel like mm-hmm. i'm wasting my time and you just do the same thing over and over again you just do it no matter what take it was no matter how minuscule it was and i don't feel like i would do that i would do it i would watch it and if you if you sold me on it great let's move on i'm well, not the kind of run and gun let's go let's get this done and well i've, I've had the honor of being uh oh. participating in your film and so you, you're an excellent <laughs> no, actor no no <laughs> I think I think my career is very limited on that. I don't think so. I played myself, and I didn't do a good job of that. You have well, it's just at least admit you have great potential. Okay. Definitely have great potential. Um, I was thinking of something while you were saying that that it was along the lines, but I I mean, yeah, I well, I felt like too we you, that 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 was the atmosphere you generated, right? If the take was good, even before looking back, like you were like holding the camera and had that big grin on your face like this is it this is this, it this is the take, and it yeah. almost it almost ruined the 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 scene for us because we're like why are you smiling right <laughs> but um is there anybody in the film industry that you you've looked towards that, that you've wanted to emulate in any way or is it just kind of uh i think the biggest one it all comes down to is probably steven spielberg because one of the first making of features uh i don't know if it was a making of yeah i think it was it was for saving private ryan and how Steven Spielberg was um, fascinated by war films. And he wanted to make his own war films. And he used to, after school, he'd make war films with his buddies. He used to go mm-hmm. to the airstrip. And he would take the camera and tilt it to look like the plane was actually flying and have sound effects. And then he'd dig holes in the ground and put planks and put uh, dirt on top of it and cover it up and have somebody jump on top of it and have an explosion sound effects look like a grenade went off. And watching those clips, man, I'm like, man, like, how does... It's so simple. And he's just so in- intuitive. And it's just so realistic in how he can go to any genre. Like when he made Saving Private Ryan, it was like, it was one of the first movies where it was pretty much all handheld. And he was like right there. And, you know, a lot of people that were watching it for the first time got sick watching it because of how shaky and how like down to earth and right in it, like documentary style, right? Yeah. And then you look at, you know, his epic films and how beautifully crafted they are. Indiana Jones, like so many huge one takes that don't look like one take because he frames his shots so amazingly. But just the versatility that he has... And how everybody says that working with him is is so much fun. Mm-hmm. And 
he's open-minded he's making all different he's made horror films like jaws and he's made alien invasion movies he's made war films like that's what i want to do i want to be able to make any kind of film comedies comedies everybody keeps telling me to do more comedies because the comedies are good i'm like ah you have a good sense of humor i guess you've written a lot of good funny stuff i guess i just i enjoy the dark weird (laughs) stuff and people just don't react as well the the funny people always do have a dark side to it speaking of which i I mean okay we talked a little bit of you growing up there with your grandparents and everything like that so you're you're the oldest of four boys that's right okay What's the story about, was it you that stabbed your brother's volleyball? No. <laughs> no. Uh, I, I get uh, mixed up in that one. Um, but that's okay, because I, I don't blame them for mixing that up, because uh, we have a violent history growing up. I was going to say, I, <laughs> feel like, brothers. <laughs> I, I feel like you were the one that may have orchestrated it or something like it anyways. I, so You know what? Believe it or not, I had nothing to do with this. I just walked in on the scene, and I was just like, oh, this is interesting. I wish I had my camera when this happened. <laughs> this would have been one of the best things. This would be viral right now. So if, if I, my memory serves me properly, what happened was my brother, one of my brothers had my other brother's volleyball and my other brother had his uh, burned disc of StarCraft is a video game that was um, kind of tough to get. And we had a guy that used to burn uh, and download illegal games and stuff, and put them on CDs for us and whatever. So he had a copy of StarCraft. It was like his favorite game. So basically, uh, they were fighting about something. I can't remember what it was. So on the other side of the bay window, I see my brother standing out there with a knife and the volleyball, like holding it hostage. And then my other brother holding up the CD with two fingers on the base of it, ready to snap it. And he's basically taunting him like, try it. I fucking dare you. Try it. Try it. See what happens. So then uh, my brother with the, with the CD, he's just like, okay. And he just snapped it. And he, my other brother holding the volleyball screamed like he was like, like he got shot and he fell to his knees. like, no. He took the knife, stabbed it, and then my other brother ran outside. Man, and the, like he had a knife. Like, what are you charging him for? What if he stabs you? It was, it was a, it was an incredible moment. I was just standing there, and I think my youngest brother was standing beside me too. We were both just watching. Like, this is awesome. Who's gonna win this fight? Because there was so much rage. It was amazing. Okay, last question. Back to the okay. uh, in all the movies or films or screenplays or books you've written, uh-huh. the favorite, your favorite character or scenario that you've written or developed do you have one i have never been asked this question before i have and this literally just popped in my head don't ask me why i thought one that i've written yeah one of your creations what's your favorite oh my god i don't know frick there's so there's so many i I like i like a lot of them well the book that i'm writing right now i think is is really good well my my (laughs) girlfriend tells me that it's amazing so that's one opinion that's all i need to keep that's right but i think this is probably my 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 best work for sure. Um, so favorite character that I've written is this guy named Draven. You don't know much about him. You know that he's an elite, so he works directly with the king, who is a total douchebag, like just a real piece of shit scumbag. <laughs> just feeds off his people, and basically, there's no re- religion in this. Basically, the only religious aspect in it is that the people worship whoever the king is, and that's mm-hmm. what they name the country. So whoever the king is, that's what the name of the country is, and then the capital's named after the king as well. And he has his elites who is like handpicked, douchiest of the douchebags, everybody. And he has this one guy, Draven, and uh, he basically doesn't let him stay in the city with his other elites because he kills too many people too quickly for his own pleasure. And they call him um, uh, the Peeler, Draven the Peeler, because he likes 
doing things with their skin and stuff, whatever, right? Uh, well, and now you can see the dark side of Tyler's. Uh... Right? And so the king's like, okay, you know, you can't be, you can't be hanging out in the sea. Like, you're drawing too much attention. People are too scared of whatever, blah, blah, blah. You got you to gotta pace yourself. So we're going to send you out to Green Cove, like this small little village, and that's where you'll have your own little detachment. You can have your own little weirdos with you and whatever, right? So that's where he is. And uh, he's just a really vile individual, but he comes across as extremely charming. He's a very nice guy. He'll, like, you know, talk really calmly and whatever and basically twist words around and make you believe stuff and just like and try to get into the mind of his victims and just bring him all out and then then he'll once he feels like there's nothing else to learn about you then he just peels you isn't there a saying along that lines that to say the uh the greatest trick the devil ever pulled was convincing people that he didn't exist right yeah isn't that the same idea pretty much the same idea did that ever play into to developing or no I kind of base him off of Hannibal Lecter a little bit. Okay. I because Hannibal Lecter is one of the most fascinating. He's terrifying and fascinating at the same time. Yeah. One of the, my favorite characters in all of cinematic history and, and writing. Like, if I was in the same room as him, I'd be terrified, but intrigued to ask him questions and learn more about him, right? And why he does the things that he does and whatever, right? But yeah. So. And if he was a real person, I'd like to try to get him on the show here too. But right. he'd have to. He'd have to have the. The wrappings and the mask on, <laughs> That's for sure. Right. So, and five armed guards. <laughs> well, yeah. on on that note, uh, you know what? There, there's a lot more we could get into with you, but I'd like to save that for down the road. Here, we're gonna sure. have uh, we're gonna do this again. Sure. Uh, we may even get some other guests uh, videoed when you have time there. Um, sure. So, guys, thank you again. My guest here is Tyler Sunt. You can follow uh, his film journey by searching Aviator Productions. You can check out the podcast that he's a part of with his good friend Scott Labrie and Eric Deshane. It's called The Esteemed Gentleman. Um, they do a lot of talking like a lot about this. You talk yep. movies, video games, pop culture. Yep. Um, so yeah, check them out. You can see our episode notes for, for more details on that. And if you enjoyed this episode, uh, please do us a favor. Check out the rest by searching now for someone completely interesting or at pool and radio. Give us a like, give us a listen, give us a share. Tyler Sunt, someone completely interesting. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me.